Thank you so much for joining us here on Who's Next with Darion Henderson. Again, I am your host, Darion Henderson, obviously. And on this episode, we are at the Salt and Detox Oasis in Myrtle Beach. This is where we decided to host this one. It's a special place. You definitely come check it out. It's at 3885 Renee Drive. Let me tell you, it's a place you definitely want to come check out. And, you know, just detox a little bit, you know, come into one. You're going to learn more about them on WNBFnews.com. But for this episode, we're highlighting mental health awareness, right? So May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And it's something that a lot of people are talking about now, be that at your jobs, uh, socially, just everywhere. It's, it's a hot button issue. But we wanted to take the conversation just a little bit deeper. And I felt, you know, there's one woman definitely here in Myrtle Beach that I just had to talk to, right? If you probably don't know who she is, you've definitely seen her before. Let me tell you, uh, she's, she's big in the world of counseling here. Um, and she knows her stuff. She knows what she's talking about. But she has a story to tell as well. And I can't wait to introduce you to her, but also learn a little bit more about her as well. Because there's a lot of some stuff that we're definitely going to be asking her about. Uh, she's definitely a mover and shaker in Myrtle Beach. And I'm not only talking about on the dance floor, I'm talking about also in the community. So let's get a clap it up. Let's give a hand. For Dr. Jessica Green. Woo! Yeah, Dr. Jessica Green. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. You listen, we're going to have uh, a great conversation because I feel as if before I even met you, <laughs> I saw you at multiple locations. I'm like, this lady is everywhere. You know what's going on, but you're involved in so many different organizations. I feel we should just tell the people just right up top, like kind of what you're involved in, right? So we're talking about, you're on the board of directors, right, for the Murder Beach Area Chamber of Commerce. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're also with the Spadoni College of Education Social Services. You're on that board of directors too, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you're also a chairwoman of Leadership Grand Strand, right, mm -hmm. and Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, a soror of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, and then also you're in the Junior League of Grand Strand as well? Yes. That's a lot. A lot of hats. A lot of hats. When do you eat? <laughs> <laughs> I eat in proportions, you know, managing what you eat, how you eat it to make sure you stay healthy. Got you. So when you turn off the Zoom uh, uh, camera, that's when you go it's ahead and check. It's waiting on me. Yeah. Sitting there waiting on me with a spoon, a fork, or using my fingers. <laughs> One out of the three. One out of three. Uh, probably in your car, too. You would think so, huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's something you do not want to inside at the moment. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of times when you are part of all these different organizations, a lot of them have breakfasts and lunch and things of that nature, too. So, you know, sometimes it's good being involved with so much stuff because you get to kind of chill a little bit, right? It is. All right, all right. So we're going to get into all of that because we got so much to talk about. I'm really excited for this conversation. I really am. Uh, I was talking to you a couple weeks before we even got to this conversation. I'm like, listen, it's a lot. And then when I talk to you, you know, we had our one-on-one. I'm like, man, this lady has a story to tell. So let's take it all the way back. Let's take it all the way back. We're telling what you're doing right now, but let's take it all the way back. So you were born and raised right here in South Carolina in Sumter, correct? Yes, in Sumter, South Carolina. Born and raised, attended church every Sunday, Wednesdays. You know how, <laughs> how that is with your parents in church. On yeah. Every organization at church. Yeah. Um, but yes, born and raised in Sumter. Mm -hmm. That's my hometown. Too, right? I have a twin sister. Yeah, and you have quite the story too of like your mom finding out because you said your mom was pregnant with you out in Germany, right? Correct. So my father was in the military, okay. and my mom found out she was having um, twins, and, and that's a strange story because whenever my mom came over to the states, 
my grandmother, her mother told her, she said, it's either something wrong with you or something wrong with that baby because you are really, really big. <laughs> so my mom went to Shark Air Force Base, which is in Sumter, South Carolina. Yeah. And the doctor told her, I have good news and I have bad news. He said, which one would you like first? She said, give me the bad news first. Well, the bad news is there are two of them, but the good news is they're both healthy. And my mom found out two weeks before she had us. And she said she cried the entire two weeks <laughs> because if you think about it, we have one of everything. Yeah. One crib, one car seat, yeah. one name, yeah. <laughs> one everything. Yeah. So she really had to put it in motion before we were born. Yeah, because by that time you have like the baby shower and every, if you choose to have that, you know, you can been in already had that. People giving you the gifts they're going to give you. Now you got to yes. tell them, hey, can you go out and get one more? <laughs> with multiple births, they take them early. Yeah. But for us, there was no wiggle room. So she carried us full term. Full term. Because there's always like, you know, Sally, a little bit of complications when you're dealing with twins and things of that nature. And here y'all are. Here we are. Three minutes apart, huh? Three minutes apart. <laughs> Let me make that clear. You know, I'm this by three minutes. I feel like a lot of twins make it known, like really, really known. Yes. Who's the oldest? Who's the one who's a little bit younger? Very territorial. That yeah. Those three minutes Why? mean a lot. Because we're, we're the third child. You yeah. know, people ask my mom, you know, when she visits um, her medical appointments, you know, how many kids do you have? Mm -hmm. Four. How many births have you had? Three. So they kind of give her that look. And then they realize, okay, there must be, you know, a multiple birth year yeah. somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would like to move on to our mental matter segment of, you uh, know, it's coming a little bit early because normally we have a little bit later on um, within our uh, podcast here. But I want to bring a little bit early because uh, the next thing that happened to you, you know, even at a very young age, uh, you lost your father, right? I did. At the young age of 15 months, my father... I was stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And the pilot and my father was a crew chief at the time were test flying an airplane. And it was foggy um, and the, the aircraft crashed in the mountains. And the pilot was able to eject, but my father passed away on impact. So even if you think about Kobe Bryant in that situation, yeah. a lot of people did not know. So when those videos were on social media, you know, they were sending it to me. Mm -hmm. But for me, that was a trigger because that's the same way my father passed away. Wow. And they were showing the debris from the helicopter, the bodies that were on the ground. So that was definitely a trigger. But with my father's death, being that he died active duty, my twin sister and I and my brothers um, were able to attend school in the GI Bill. Yeah. So with my father, he might have died in the military, mm -hmm. um, but I call it collateral beauty because even though he died active duty, and, and we're definitely sorry for his loss, but they gave us an opportunity to be able to grow and flourish. So for him, okay, I'm allowing you and giving you this opportunity to start with your undergraduate degree, but it's up to you how far you take and how far you go with it. So with me, my mother and my father became my reason why. My father, because he gave me the opportunity with the GI Bill, mm -hmm. and with my mother, because she was so strong. And my mother is a woman that people respect, admire, and look up to. She's a powerful force, mm -hmm. and she's my go-to person as well. So they both became my reason why why I continued to further my degree and earn my doctorate degree. Absolutely, because that's really hard. You know, I was even expressed to you before. You know, I lost my dad when um, I was 12 years old, seven days before I turned 13, um, and that's difficult. 
It's really difficult, like being being young. And you were even younger, like what, 15 months. Um, growing up, did you feel as if in a way that I guess you were maybe cheated out of out of that, having that connection with like your father? You feel cheated having that connection without having your father, but at the same time, you have those memories. Yeah. So it allows you to continue to have compassion and continue to that continue that legacy for him, yeah. you know, and not only for him, but my mother. And we were at a young age as well. Um, Jill and I are 15 months, and Bobby and Norma were nine and 11. And for us and for them, it was definitely hard because when my mom would take us to um, child development, she would drop us off and we would have issues because we would think, wouldn't think mom was coming back because dad left and dad never came back. So like a sense of abandonment. A sense of abandonment. And when wow. my father used to always come home, my twin sister and I would always take his boots off because you know with the army boots, it takes you about 10, 15 yeah. minutes yeah. just to get those off. So that was a moment that we shared with him, but just remembering those memories and, and, and the beauty that came out of it. Uh, my twin sister, Julie Green Long, my two older brothers, and then um, his grandchildren. Uh, and you just, like you were saying, just hold on to it, right? And, you yes, know, and, and you said you went through counseling too. Absolutely. You know? we, we all did, just because uh, of that adjustment period and not understanding, you know, and us wanting to be with dad but not understanding completely where he is. Mm -hmm. So we all went through counseling, the adjustment, my brothers, the depression, as far as my sister and I not being able to sleep yeah. because we would have nightmares. Yeah. I definitely feel that um, because, you know, there was even an adjustment, you know, after my dad passed away. You know, my brother was having troubles in school. Um, you know, I felt since you know, just being lost, you know what I mean. And Whereas, like I, yeah, you're you're angry. You have so many feelings. And personally, I didn't. I wasn't. You know, I didn't. I never went to you know counseling or anything of that nature for that. You know, but I could just imagine how during that time, how counseling would have been such a great resource to have. It you know what I mean? Because I think some parents, you know, maybe don't think about it. You know what I mean? You know, especially you know, I feel as if my mom, who was also going through, I think, just a realization of now. You're a single mother, you know, and you have to process that, better yet process also the trauma that your children are also dealing with as well. Where I think it's just so much, it's just layers on layers on layers on layers on layers. Um, it, could, it, could, it could get really hard, you know, right? It can get really hard, and especially with the layers, and you have the expectation of a parent. You yeah. have the expectation of a, um, a mother, a father, being involved in the community. So you wear many hats, yeah. but how do you wear those hats? Yeah. And how do you wear them to the best of your ability so it's not taking over you? And remembering that, you know, in order to help people, we have to pour into our cup. We yeah. can't pour into everyone else's cup and have an empty cup for us, or we have that hole on the bottom where we're pouring in and giving everything we have, mm -hmm. but it's just falling through. Yeah. So it's so important that you do take care of yourself in that sense of community. Yeah. You know what's, what, I, what I found joy in, like over, just the years, um, is that just those little small moments of coming back, of knowing that, you know, he's always there. Mm -hmm. So like, even when I graduated high school, I graduated high school on his birthday. Like, you know, like just little small stuff like that. Um, like, it just happens. And I remember crying like at my high school graduation. People are like, what are you crying for? I'm like, man, I can't even start to tell you. You know what I mean? Just well, we because like it meant so much more deeper than just, oh, I'm graduating. Like, oh, it's my dad's birthday and I'm graduating. So it's like, 
I feel your presence here. You know what I mean? Yes, and when we have those celebrations, we have his favorite dish there. Yeah. Or during Christmas time, we continue to have ornaments of the things that he likes. Like my father loved Camaros. That was his <laughs> go-to, his red Camaro that he would have parked in my yeah. grandmother's backyard. You know I like Camaros too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So that, you know, those are one of his vehicles. So just remembering him yeah. and what he continues to bring to the table, yeah, because you'll get to a moment too, when you talk about, you know, when I talk about my father, when I talk about my middle brother, Norman, who passed mm -hmm. away a couple of years ago, when you're able to talk about them and you can talk about them and get excited and find that joy, you begin to find peace. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a personal healing process as well that you have to go through. It like is. a personal, like, I guess counseling session, you know, because I guess we see a lot of counseling and things of that nature as talking to someone and getting it out, um, you know, where sometimes it could be within as well. I know even for myself as well, you know, writing my book, my memoir was like very therapeutic. So I feel as if you have to just find it because a lot of people came to me afterwards and was like, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? I'm like, maybe counseling is for you. So I feel as if we all kind of deal with our own. As, so as you went into your adulthood, how, how have you started to like kind of even still cope with it and, and, and deal with it? Well, it comes in ways, yeah. and that's one um, thing about grief. It never goes away. Suspection. We just learn, yes, and we just learn how to manage it. Mm -hmm. And I like to use the analogy, it comes in waves. Sometimes those waves are calm, and then sometimes those waves come in a with a bang. <laughs> yeah, it's but a it's how curve. we manage it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've done well for yourself. <laughs> so, I'd definitely be happy for you. And like you said, collateral beauty, though. Can we go back to that for like just one second? Where did you come up with that, I guess, that, that, that saying? I came up with that saying, or I like that saying, because when my father passed away and when my brother passed away, mm -hmm. it definitely hit us hard because it took us back. You know, we're losing another close, immediate family member. Right. Yeah. So when we look at collateral beauty, the collateral part is my father passed away unexpectedly. He was 30, I'm going to say 36 years old, between 36 and 38 when he passed away. Mm -hmm. That's at a young, that's a really young age. Yeah. So when I was at that age, I was thinking about my mother, you know, having mm -hmm. four kids and having to do this by herself. And at that time, we did not have the many resources that we have now. Yeah. So she really had to be a fighter. So when we look at collateral beauty, yes, the collateral is my father passed away. The collateral is my brother passed away but look at all those beautiful things that came out of it yeah. you know my beautiful sister-in-law my nieces and nephews mm -hmm. and my mother's and my father's grandchildren so it's important we continue that legacy because legacy is extremely important to me you know people who know me know I love family mm -hmm. and when they see me with my twin sisters sons they always say, oh, those are your kids because they yeah. know they're in my heart, you know, heart too. And I, I enjoy spending time with them. Yeah. But that's that collateral beauty, you know, not forgetting my father, not forgetting my brother, but continuing that legacy in them. You know, any family traditions and family values that we have, continuing that legacy through them. I remember you saying that your mom and dad is your uh, inspiration. Um, so is that the reason why you're involved in so many organizations to, you know, constantly keep that drive up and keep that, you know, keep him happy and also her happy as well? Yes, to, to a limit. Because my yeah. mom would tell you, all right, Jessica, let's wind it on down a little bit. But when my sister and I ran track at the high school, uh -huh. my mom was always involved. Yeah. She was involved either the track meets and the concession stands selling or selling those coupons for the donuts or Girl mm -hmm. Scout cookies. 
she's always been involved in the community. So for us, that's again, a legacy piece. How can we become involved in our community? How can we make a difference? Because with my mom, her goal was to make a difference in her community. But for us to all allow us to see too that it's possible, you can be whoever you wanna be and not allow anyone or anything come into that arena to, mm -hmm. to stop you. So allowing yourself to build connections with those resources through your involvement in the community, yeah. getting your face out in the community. So if there is a situation or circumstance going on, oh, you know, hey, let's try giving X, Y, Z or call. But at the same breath, continue to have compassion, um, putting yourself in other shoes in a way, understanding their world through their lens. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you went to track and field, too, to, to kind of help you out with that, too, because we find it, you know, also to help sometimes within our own family, but then also externally as well in places you just never imagined, right? And you said it was your track coach that really inspired you to go into counseling and things of that nature, right? Absolutely. My high school track and field coach, Coach Carr Baker, who's still in <laughs> Sumner County, going strong, um, still participating with he's track and field as well. Really? Yes, yes. He's a facilitator <laughs> for a lot of the invitationals. But he was definitely influential. And for me, we have our school counselor who's in a, that's in a school setting. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been in that world for 14 years, so I understand and get it. Yeah. But for me, it was more my track coach who facilitated as far as college applications, FAFSA, um, recruitments. Mm -hmm. He's the one that definitely facilitated those um, opportunities for me that was able to propel me to the next level. So for myself, it was definitely my track coach who was influential in my career goal. Mm -hmm. Which then you went on to Coastal, right? I went on to Coastal. Yeah. I did. And uh, my sister and I ran track at Coastal mm -hmm. and it was a package deal. So package deal. yes, you could not get in with one without the other. It was a package deal. Like through the school or was like in, in your family and your mind? Like you taking both of us. Uh, all of the above. You're taking both of us. You cannot get one without the other. So we chose Coastal Carolina University gotcha. where we ran track and field. Um, and we attended on athletic and academic scholarship. Okay. Okay. Did you, did, like, did you enjoy that? Like, like, was it like a lot of relief from, like, while you were in school? Oh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed mm -hmm. it a lot. And actually, when I initially attended Coastal, I was an early childhood education major. Mm -hmm. And I completed my first internship at an elementary school. And when I left, I decided that was not the career choice for myself, right. but I still wanted to help. Yeah. I still wanted to be involved with children in a school setting. So I changed my major to sociology. Okay. And then I just I graduated with a degree in sociology. Gotcha. So after that, you went on to, um, I believe, work for, for Horry County for about 14 years, right? Yes. So you went to work with kids. In the classroom, no, gotcha, more gotcha, of gotcha. the social emotional learning, uh -huh. uh, facilitating conversations about college expectations, gotcha. allowing them to reach their full potential. Gotcha. What are those teachers that like, you know, not not teachers, but like those uh, counselors that come to the classroom? Hey, can I get such and such? Come out and they kind of work with them on like a one on one type of basis. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So you found joy in that, other than yes, staying in the classroom. Yes. <laughs> It was pretty good for you. So how, how, how did you navigate that, um, realizing for yourself that that was what you want to do, but still wanting to get back at the same time? In the, in the school setting, I definitely wanted to continue to give back. And through 
working with Horry County Schools, I learned so much when it comes to education, when it comes to social emotional learning, when it comes to our students, you know, realizing it's not, um, you know, who you are now, but it's what we're going to do and what we have planned for the future. So through working for the school district, I wanted to give back and give more. I felt like I was a little limited to what I can do. I wanted to expand it a little bit. So I decided to go into private practice. You know, I took that leap and it's the best move I have ever made. I continue to build and have those relationships with the counselors and the principals um, with Horry County Schools, but I'm glad I, I made that leap. Make that leap. I got you. And you said you work with over like a thousand kids too. So, I mean, that's touching a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. A lot of kids. And, and, and even now, kind of what's like your kind of workload like looking like? Right now, I try not to go over no more than 35, 40. Gotcha. And when we get over there, you <laughs> bring, know, that down a bring it down a little bit. You know, I can hear my mom. All right, yeah. Jessica, let's wean it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, that's generally my, my case. But I'm pretty sure it goes more into like the quality of like that personal, you know, relationship you could have with them too, other than having like a huge caseload of like kids, you know, being able to really like, you know, impact them more, having that lighter caseload. Yes, it's a lot of personalization because we have that one-on-one -on -one time. It's not interrupted. Unlike in a school setting, generally you have so much time because we're already taking them out of that yes. educational classroom setting. Yes. So you have to limit the time that you spend with them. But in private practice, we have the opportunity to be able to talk about you know things that's going on now. Um, triggers that affect their ability to learn, things mm -hmm. that affect their ability to connect their thoughts, their emotions, and their behaviors. So through private practice, we have definitely that more one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. session, but it's just us yeah. with no distractions. Yeah. What's one inspirational story that you potentially have from like one of the students that you've worked with? Do you have one? Sure. I would say one of uh, inspirational story that I've had with a client is a person who might have had some suicidal ideations. Yeah but not realizing their strengths their self-esteem. They worried more about that perception of others, worried about that sense of fitting in versus belonging. And whenever you have that sense of belonging, you can uh, truly be your true authentic self, but it's just finding that. And mm -hmm. I love to use the analogy of, I want my clients to move from being that caterpillar, but turning into that beautiful butterfly with all those vibrant colors. And sometimes it is just talking to people, right? You know, and uh, and having those resources, you know, it, it, it probably goes really, really far. Um, and I'm probably I'm pretty sure on, on on your side, from that first conversation to that last conversation, you see it. You know, it probably just brings so much joy to your heart, right? You see it because a lot of times they do not see it because they're in the moment. Yeah. But someone looking on the outside, you know, we see that beautiful light shining behind them yeah. and sometimes they don't see it so as therapists it's our job to be able to pull that out of them because mm -hmm. they're already coming to the office with that sense of shame that sense of bias that preconceived notion of what counseling is and once they have that first session it's not as bad as they thought it was going to be they actually enjoy it and want to come back and want to hear what's next but it's a different world kids are living in now i mean you got tiktoks you got the instagrams you got the the Facebooks, the Twitters, like, it is a whole lot, you know, just being kind of thrown at them, you know, better yet, the Snapchats, you know, better yet than, you know, the, the beauty standards that they have to go through as well, you know, and like the, all the apps that change your face and change your look and all that good stuff. And trying to look at yourself in person and, have, you know, having to say, okay, how can I look like this person? 
that I perceive myself to be. You know, I'm pretty sure like that's a whole nother level of it that we didn't have to deal with back then. We did. That now you're having to work with these kids on, right? Yes, because back in our time, we had beepers. And with the beepers, <laughs> we were actually trying to, create words. <laughs> we trying to create words, create words from the beepers. But, it, you know, we see all these individuals on social media and these social media platforms yeah. and realizing you were not made to look like them. Uh, you were made to look like you and you're here for a reason. So helping them figure out their reason why, mm -hmm. you know, their accolades, those things that they're great at, focusing on those strengths allow them to be themselves. And understand that sometimes people may say things to them, but you're talking at me and not talking to me because I know you're not talking to me because I know my worth and I know my value and I'm going to be understood and be heard. Absolutely. When you talk about mental health and like kids, what is like some of the big misconceptions of it? Misconceptions of mental health. That if someone decides to see a counselor, they are considered crazy. When mm -hmm. you are not, you know, we like to throw out that C word. Mm -hmm. And I do not like that word. If I hear someone say that word, I say, mm mm. What we're learning how to do is manage our behaviors because we all, if we haven't seen a counselor, I will highly recommend it because the National Alliance of Mental Illness, they shared one out of five has some sort of mental illness. But if you think about it now, it's five out of five because we've all dealt with grief due mm -hmm. to COVID. Sure. We've all dealt with adjustment disorder mm -hmm. when schools were closed and our kids were home with us and we we're trying to figure out A day, B day, Z day, we became that teacher, we became that math instructor yeah. where we would carry the one and the numbers with division <laughs> and now they're creating squares and we have no idea what they're doing. I have doing. no clue how to do this do math now. So imagine a parent trying to figure that out in that anxiety, that yeah. anger, that frustration. I'm not a great parent because I don't know how to, you know, help my child right. complete these assignments and let alone technology. Mm -hmm. And then parents became caregivers of their parents. So it affected everyone. So it's no longer one out of five. It's actually five out of five. Yeah. And trying. And I guess I consider us being like kind of like, I guess, that that middle generation in a way, you know, because like you're saying, like, because like even was having a conversation with my mom about like, hey, you know, use Instacart. Like, you know what I mean? You can get groceries straight to your doorstep nowadays. Like, why are you calling such and such to give you a ride to such and such? It's like, oh, yeah, well, no, yeah, well, nothing. Like, you know, these resources are there. So I definitely get what you're saying. But then, like you're saying, like, you know, they their resources are even more independent, you know, the young ones where it's like, wait a minute, what are you doing? What's going on? You know, where you have to, like you were saying, kind of understanding both. Um, what's the best advice you can have for parents trying to navigate all of that? Educate yourself and not be afraid to ask questions. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we get into those situations and we have that sense of embarrassment or shame because we have no idea what they're talking about or what's going on. Ask those questions. Educate yourself. Develop that, um, we call it, our personal board of directors, you know, at least having someone social, um, spiritual, financial, uh, physical fitness, at least one person in one of those categories. So when you call them, they answer. Yeah. You do not want someone in your personal board of directors if you call them and they have their re receipt on their cell phone. So you know <laughs> they read that text message, but they did not respond. That is not someone you want in your personal board of directors. Yeah. But having your go-to or your Fab Five. And if we have those questions, ask. And one thing about social media, even though there's some negatives about social media, there's still some positives because when it comes to mental health, you have more and more people on social media sharing their stories. So it's testing their vulnerability to share their stories because people are in the same 
boat scenario as they are, but they're not courageous enough to stand up and say, hey, me too. So with those social media platforms, it actually generates you know, that conversation mm -hmm. to talk about mental health. How do you like distinguish, because you talk about kids growing up, changes, natural changes, puberty, things of that nature. How do you determine what's naturally, you know, just the growth and what's, you know, is alarming behavior within your child? I guess maybe you should just pay attention to your child and know, but like, you know, what, what should you be looking for and how do you distinguish the difference of that? Definitely paying attention and looking at those lived experiences, you know, so taking a look back and look at, you know, like the past, yeah, the past yeah. generations <laughs> yeah. too, yeah. you know. Were there some issues with substance abuse? Were there some issues with schizophrenia? But definitely keeping your eyes open. And if your child has that sense of isolation, that sense of urination, claiming hands, you know, seem to be um, spaced out in, in a sense, you know, maybe we need to have that critical and crucial conversation, but it's also the way we approach them. Yeah. You know, we cannot approach them, hey, what's wrong with you? Having that open conversation. And when we come to them, come with, to them with empathy and compassion. So we ask them something and they make something and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're having a moment as a parent. Allow it to stay here, but do not allow them to see it um, verbally or non-verbally because that's gonna be the last moment, the last opportunity they're gonna come to you. Gotcha. So whenever you do approach them, make sure you continue to have that calm demeanor. So it's handling it really with, with care. Right. With care and grace. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and when should you know when it's time to get that proper treatment, you know? Before, okay, like you're just talking to me from when it's like, okay, this is above my head. Like I was trying to get somebody to step in who was way more experienced than me. Yes, and, and definitely being proactive versus reactive. Yeah. Because whenever we get in that reactive state, you know, we have some troubled water. So definitely being proactive. And if there is someone that you're speaking with and you feel like as if they need a higher level of care, help them find that person. Gotcha. You know, do not tell them, hey, Go look on this site and find this, but actually help them because that'll make them feel even more comfortable whenever they contact that person and, and make that appointment. Does music help? I mean, because sometimes you hear like, oh, play calm music. You have the calm app nowadays and things of that nature. Does music help or is it more of like a, you know, something that something you Google, it says music, so you try out music. Yes, music does help. And depending on the different genre of mu music, depending on the moment that you're in, determines what you're listening to. Gotcha. So for me, one of my favorite songs that I love um, jamming to in the car is Whitney Houston's I'm Every Woman. Mm -hmm. Because that, that gives me energy and, and it allows me to realize, hey, in spite of what's going on, we're gonna continue to fight and we're continue uh, gonna make it a great day. We're not gonna allow that five, 10 or 15 minutes of the issue concern, ruin the rest of your day. Yeah. We're gonna to continue to go, we're gonna to continue to be blessed, continue <laughs> to use those positive affirmations. And even in the morning, whenever you're you know, rolling out of bed and we're going to that bathroom, if you can even put some positive affirmations on that bathroom mirror with colorful sticky notes, because when you go into the bathroom, that bathroom is that one place we go to at least twice a day, yeah. in the morning and before we go to bed. So when we're getting up in the morning, not feeling our best selves, we can go into that bathroom when we cut that light on, we see that color. And that color brings life and that color brings excitement. So having those affirmations in that bathroom, but also bringing in some color. Yeah. 
people like you're brushing your teeth or something of that nature, you're like, you know, I'm ready for the day. Yes. You're great. Da, 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 da. Like, yeah. Actually, I went over a friend's house and they had like that on like, on, like the mirror. And I'm like, what's going on here? But now I yes. <laughs> now I definitely understand. Because some folks even have it even at, at work on their desk at work. You know, I know for me personally, I have like a lot of pictures around my desk of just people you know, who I love, you know, best friends, family, mom, nieces, you know, all that stuff around my desk, just because I just want to be just surrounded within them as I'm, you know, even even at work, you know what I mean? So. Yes, and even for your, your adolescents and, and juveniles, if you have a son who loves football, you mm -hmm. know, purchase some car riders and draw a football in the bathroom mirror and then put an affirmation in there. You know, if you like have someone who likes doll babies, something that they enjoy to personalize it, yeah. use that. Some good advice, some good advice, some good advice. I really appreciate that. Um, and then we have a segment also, it's called I Say You Say. I Say You Say. So I'm gonna say a phrase or a word, right? And then you're gonna give a response. But it can't be more than like a word. Okay, don't go too crazy. All right? Okay. You cool? All right, cool. I'm going to skip the first one. Well, I'm going to go back to it. Cause I, so I say a song you listen to every day. You say. A song I listen to every day. Bruno Mars, and I will take the entire album. <laughs> That's the, no, it's one song. You just press play and just let it run. Take it run. Yeah, just let it run. Just let it just run? Just let it run. <laughs> I love Bruno Mars too. I actually went and saw him in concert. Uh, I did. As yeah, well. he is good in concert. He is. Yeah, he really puts on a show, um, and the voice is just the voice is voicing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I say favorite quote. You say Oprah Winfrey. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. Your ability to triumph begins with you. How does that stick to you? It sticks to me because through my lived experiences and my mm -hmm. circumstances, I didn't allow it to determine who I was who I am now and where I'm going. I actually use it as a motivation Got to it. stay encouraged and continue to, to keep keep pressing on. I love that. Because we're not that. done yet. We're not done yet at all. We have plenty of more places to go, people to see, and lives to impact. Um, so I say your future in the Grand Strand, you say. It's looking bright. Looking bright. <laughs> I'm sticking around, huh? I'm sticking around. I'm sticking around. <laughs> and to wrap it up, you know, we get down to like our last thing. We have one more segment that we do. It's called Three Things, right? So, of course, we talked about a little bit of your family. And thanks for being just so transparent about that. You know, I'm pretty sure folks looking at this who probably see you out at the events, you know, smiling and things of that nature, um, not knowing, you know, things that, you know, you battle every day as well. You know what I mean? I think that that, that really is... Um, admirable of you to do that, you know, so that's really, really cool. So three things. Uh, what are three things about you unrelated to your profession and civil work that people would uh, be shocked to know? Three things. Number one. I love sushi. Sushi. I could see. What was your sushi. favorite role? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yes. <laughs> my Philly sriracha, role. my soy. Yes, mm -hmm. Philadelphia roll. Okay. But uh, cream cheese coming in there, right? Yes. Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I love all the ones with cream cheese too. Fried or just regular? Regular. Just regular? You don't no like fried? fried? No. Why you don't like fried? Mm -mm. It fills you up a little bit, but it's good it's nonetheless. Fried. It's fried. Okay, never mind. I guess it's not real sushi to you. Number two Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers. They're my go to. They're your go to. They're my team. Okay. Yes. Well, Listen, hopefully you have a good season. We're in transition. It's, it's yes, we it's have transition in leadership, but you know, as long as those leaders build those relationships, uh-huh, we should be 
All right. <laughs> we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, have a lot of different leadership, though. So I guess we we'll have. we'll see what actually happens, right? All right. Um, and the third thing. The third thing. One more. So sushi, Carolina Panthers, and people know this, but I'm an avid reader. Avid reader. Avid reader. Favorite book. Brene Brown. Anything Brene Brown. Anything Brene Brown. Yes. How often do you read? Every morning when I'm on the treadmill. Really? Yes. I can never read while I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> so you're just walking and just yes. read. I was actually reading psychology today this morning. Really? You, you have it and you fold it. Mm -hmm. And then you can even have a pen in. And just be gone. Yes. See, that's a lot. As long as you're walking. That's a, a lot of doing. Walk. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's a brisk walk. Yes. Okay, so it's and like a little. Someone made a comment today at the gym because he was like, oh my gosh, how are you multitasking? Yeah. You just do it. Like when I'm on a treadmill, my mind is focused on like, I can't even have like the numbers in front of me. I have to put up a towel because I don't even want to see the numbers. <laughs> it's like if I be like, oh, I, I ran a mile, it's time to sit down. You know yeah, what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's, yeah, that's. Also, like reading and taking notes and things of that nature is like something definitely different. But cool, that's that's good to know. Sushi, Carolina Panthers, and reading books on treadmills. Yes. You gotta love that. Yes. You gotta love that. And giving back to the community, but yeah, that's what I enjoy. And you know, as you mentioned earlier, earlier, some people always say, "Wow, Jessica, how do you do so much?" Yeah. It's because I love what I do, mm -hmm. and you're able to. If there's something going on, you have to manage your time. So you have to, if you know if something's going on, what you do is block it off and you work your way around it. But when you do that, just make sure it's something that is important to you, not something you're attending just to attend or something you're doing just to attend, just to do, and you're not able to give 100% or all in, all into it. Gotcha. So making sure you're moving with intent. Moving with intent. Yeah. And whenever you actually put something in your agenda, make sure you mark it in pen. Because gotcha. a lot of times we'll mark things that we're doing for other people in pen, but something that we're doing for ourselves in pencil, because it's easier to erase what we're doing for ourselves and do things for other people. So definitely whenever we're marking our calendar, make sure we're writing in pen. And if someone asks you to do something, and it could be attending a track meet with your son, and someone asks you to do something at that same time, they don't have to know it's a track meet. All you have to do is tell them, hey, I have an appointment already scheduled at 4.30. Yeah. You know that's my son's track me, but they do not know. Yeah. You know, but that's your time. Boundaries. Boundaries. And for me in private practice, I always take a look at the calendar. So if there are five Mondays, five Tuesdays, or five Wednesdays in the month, I'll call them my bonus days. So those days I'm a making extra income, but if I do not work those days, I'm still okay. So I call those bonus days because, hey, if I want to take a vacation or go somewhere a couple of days, I have the opportunity to, but it's not going to affect my income. Listen, leave it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Some good advice to leave people all. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Jessica Green. We really appreciate you. One last thing, though. Could you look into this camera right here and let the folks know your name and tell them that you're next? My name is Dr. Jessica Green, and I am next.
Nice, right, right. Woo -hoo. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. You're welcome. Miss Pump again. Appreciate you so much for being here with us. And thank you so much for joining us as well on Who's Next with Daria Henderson. Hopefully you enjoyed this conversation, this podcast with Dr. Jessica Green. Maybe helped you learn something about yourself and also maybe help your child or your family as well. That's what we like to do on uh, this podcast. And definitely as we uh, recognize Mental Health Awareness Month here in the month of May. We have a lot of more guests coming up here. Of course, we want to thank uh, the Salt and Detox Oasis here in Myrtle Beach are located at 3885 Renee Drive. Come check them out, you know, if you want to talk to somebody or you just want to just chill and just, you know, just come one within yourself. We all got to enjoy that, right? Of course we do. We'll see you right here on the next time. Make, you, make sure you subscribe and also follow me on social media at Darion LH. <laughs>